This is Truth and Love Ministries, where we bring people home to God by learning His truth and experiencing His unending love. Though time often feels slow here on earth, you'll spend a lot more of your life in eternity than you will here. One thing's for sure, you will leave this earth. Everyone will. And while there's no amount of works that can bring you into heaven, there is a person you must believe is the king of it all to enter in. His death and resurrection provided a way for you to enjoy your life here and also live with him in paradise. So let's dive into a series on heaven. We pray this message refreshes you and speaks encouragement to whatever is going on in your life right now. Now, let's take a listen to the message. Today we want to talk about, uh, continue on talking about heaven. You know, the funny thing is, all I could think about this morning when I was, it's, it's so awesome that Marcus was talking about me now, Father, and he kind of prepped everybody for what's coming. But, you know, I was uh, thinking about, there's so many things that we have thought about heaven that we're all kind of confused about what's actually going to take place and what's going to happen. And, and, you know, I said last week that we are pilgrims and strangers on the earth and, and we should actually be um, desiring to go home. I told y'all when I went on a trip one time how I couldn't wait to see the Alabama sign, say, welcome to Alabama, the beautiful. And I made a promise that if I, when I got home, I would never leave again. Because it was just so, you know, when you're away from home, you get homesick. And I was actually thinking about that when I think about heaven. And I was thinking about the songs and, and how we should be longing for heaven. We should be longing to go home. If we're not longing to go home, then there has to be something wrong. Either we have set up roots here or we don't understand what's there. Because if we knew what was there, we'd be anxious to get there. You know, and a song came to mind when I thought about heaven. I thought about it because I remember it from way back when I was, when I first got saved. I started listening to gospel music, Christian music, whatever you want to call it. And, uh, and the song was, one of these mornings, and it won't be long, you're going to look for me and I'll be gone. I'm going to a place where I'll have nothing to do but just walk around heaven all day. Now that tells me they don't know what's going on up there. I mean, if you think that you're going to heaven and you're going to walk around all day and ain't going to have nothing to do, you can't, can't have a clue what's happening in heaven. So we want to talk about what will be in heaven. Last week we talked about what it takes to get to heaven. You know, how are we going to, how, what does it take to get there? We have to, we have to ask, we have to trust, we, we have to ask, we have, we have to turn, we have to ask, and we have to trust Jesus in order for us to be able to go to heaven. And we looked at the thief on the cross and how the thief, what the thief did in order for us, for him to be with Jesus. And then when you think about, it, it made me come to a place and a point where I cannot look at a person and determine whether they go into heaven or hell based on what they are doing. Too often we look at people and we make a judgment that this person, nah, they on their way to hell. But the thief proved all of that wrong because in his last and final moments, he had sense enough to turn to Jesus. He had sense enough to ask him to help him, to save him. And he had sense enough to trust Jesus after he did that. And this is what Jesus said to him after that. Luke chapter 23, verse 43, he said, Today you will be with me in paradise. You know, I read that. I, I don't know how many times I quoted it many times, but I saw it in a different light beginning today. Jesus said to the thief, what? Today you'll be with me in paradise. So what did that look like for him? What did that look like for the thief? Charles Spurgeon actually said that the, that the thief had breakfast with the devil and he had supper with Jesus. He had breakfast with the devil and he had supper with Jesus. So what do we experience as a Christian immediately after death? It's a profound question that all of us at some point in our minds have asked. You know, a lot of times we, you know, 
everybody, I, I remember the story of a little boy, the preacher was talking about going to heaven and, and he ra- asked the folks to raise their hands, who all want to go to heaven? And he saw the little boy sitting in the back, and the little boy didn't raise his hand. So after the service, he went and asked the he asked the little boy, he said, son, don't you want to go to heaven? And the little boy said, yeah, but I thought you were trying to get a bus up to go today. He said, I didn't, I didn't want to go today. You know, he thought he was getting everybody lined up. You know, we getting lined up, getting ready to leave. So the little boy said he didn't want to go. Because the truth of the matter is all of us want to go to heaven, but none of us want to go through the transition that it takes to get there. That's why we don't think about it. And I think a lot of times it's because we don't understand truly what happens? We don't truly understand what's on the other side of this. So the big question for people who've lost somebody, what are they doing now? What are your loved ones doing now? Loved ones who have died in the Lord, they are what? They're with Christ. They are with Jesus. Look what he said. The, the first word in that sentence is key. He said, today, today, you'll be with me in paradise today. Now, this is a great promise that he made to the thief, and Jesus said, today, death will be for you immediate translation and a joyful transition into the presence of the Almighty God. He said, you will be with me today. It dispels a lot of things that people say and a lot of things that they think. He's a prototype for every believer. He's a prototype for every one of us in how we are going to live. If we live a certain way, if we accept and ask and trust Jesus, that we can do the same thing. We can be, when we leave this world, be with Jesus. And I know, you know, when people are sick and they're going through stuff, don't nobody really like to talk about death. We like to talk about everything else. But let me tell you something. You can talk about, we can talk about retirement, we can talk about going to Florida, we can talk about going to New York, California, we can talk about everything you want to talk about, but we need to talk about this because it is a reality that none of us can avoid. None of us can avoid it. So if it's something that we have to do, let's get ready to do it. Remember the scripture that I quoted to y'all or read to y'all in Matthew chapter 7 when he says, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, in thy name, done many wonderful words, cast out devils in your name? And Jesus turned to him and said, we never, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. Now, how would you like to live your life, a Christian, all your life, thinking that you're right, and get to the end, and Jesus says to you, I never knew you. Don't you want to know now? Don't you want to know now? 1 Corinthians 5, 6 says, while we're at home in the body, we are what? Away from the Lord. We're away from the Lord. And then 2 Corinthians 5, 8 says, we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. Let me say, let me say this. I believe that when they wrote this scripture, they weren't thinking about 2023 because this is how that scripture should read. We would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord, but not right now. <laughs> Not right now. Not right now. So, if you know where your family members are, they're away from the body. And that is why we lay the body to rest, and they are at home with the Lord. I'm telling you, all I hope that after we get through with this, you'll have a little bit more confidence, a little bit more assurance, a little bit more peace about transition, about life, about heaven, about God, uh, and, and not fear the thing, not fear the thing that's going to take me to be with him. Not fear it. So, loved ones who have died in the Lord, they are fully conscious. They are fully conscious. Okay? So, he said, today you will be with me in paradise. He does not say when the day is done, you'll go into a long period of unconsciousness. I can remember back in the day, um, a certain denomination that said, when we die, we go into a sleep. And we sleep until Jesus wakes us up. Jesus didn't say, today you're going to sleep and I'll wake you up 2,000 years from now. He said, today you'll be with me in paradise. Okay? And he said, it's not when I come in my power and glory, I'll wake you up and 
I wake you up and you'll be with me in paradise. The promises Jesus is much better than that. He said, today you will be with me in paradise. Immediate, immediate, folks. Conscious enjoyment of the presence of God. He didn't say it's going to be a time frame, a time span between when you die and when you be with him. He said today. Now, some of us have seized the fact that the Bible talks about death as being like asleep. If you read the book of 1 Thessalonians, it talks about those that are asleep, won't, won't proceed those that are, that are those that, are, that, that hadn't died, won't proceed those that have. 1 Corinthians 15.1 said, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In other words, he's, he's telling us, and, and the rest of that scripture actually says that in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, he said, we're going to be changed. He said, no, we're not all going to sleep. In other words, he said, we're not all going to die. When Jesus comes, some of us are just going to be changed. Okay? So, they have suggested that the souls of believers go to sleep when they die. Please remember that what sleeps is not the soul, but the body. The body. You know, Back in January, January Phil, January Phil, you know, if you if your soul went to sleep, you would never dream. You would never have dreams. The soul is the part of you that lives forever. It does not need rest. Your body needs rest, not your soul. Your body needs rest. I was intending to do this. I want, let me let me back up. Back to the beginning. If you want to know how things start, then you have to go to the beginning. And the beginning is, is Genesis. Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 says, God says, let us make man in our own image after our own, own likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and things that creeps, crawls, flies, swims, and moves upon the face of the earth. And the Bible says he created them male and female. Okay. And then in Genesis chapter 2, he gets to verse number 6, I believe it is, and it says, and he formed man from the dust of the ground. And then he caused a deep sleep to fall on the man, pulled a bone out of his side, reeled out of his side, fashioned to a woman. My point of that is this. You have to understand that in the beginning, we started with just being a spirit. In Genesis chapter 1, God created man a spirit. In Genesis chapter 2, he put the spirit that he made in the body that he formed. Okay? So he put the two together. The Bible says he, you know, he formed man from the dust of the ground, and then he breathed in his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. In other words, he connected the soul and the body and the man. And why did he do it? Because first off, he had created a natural world, so he needed a man living in a body to manage what he saw. Okay? So the soul does not sleep. The body does. The body is laid to rest until the resurrection. And you know, when I think about this, Jesus always gives us an example of what he is talking about. Okay? So think back to, with me to the Mark, John chapter 11. When you think about the story of Lazarus. The Bible said Lazarus was sick. They sent a message to Jesus and told Jesus, Lord, your friend Lazarus is sick. And the Bible said Jesus tarried three more days and said by the time he got there, he had been in the grave four days. And so Jesus said, where have you laid him? And when he went to the place where he had laid him, the Bible says, they said, Lord, by this time he stinks. In other words, his body has started to deteriorate. He's starting to fall apart. And so Jesus said, his sister said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. He said, she said, now I know that he's going to be raised at the resurrection. But Jesus looked at her and said, the resurrection is not a place. It's not a time. I am the resurrection. In other words, the resurrection is here now. So what he was saying to what he demonstrated to us is this. That even though the body dies and it goes into a state of deterioration, Jesus will one day come to the grave and call your name, Lazarus, come forth. And guess what? The Bible said Lazarus' body started to come back together. 
When he came out of the grave, he was wrapped with grave clothes. And they said, loose him and let him go. So my point to you is this, that what you have to understand is, is that the body is laid to rest. And even though the body may deteriorate, when Jesus comes back, he's going to call you forth. He's going to call that body back. So the soul never sleeps, okay? Unconsciousness is not a promise of Jesus. He didn't say you're going to be unconscious. I get more when I die, not less. See, we look at death as though we're losing. We're losing something. We're, you know, when I think about it, I, I, you, know, you, know, you know how we do. We think about all this craziness and junk around here, you know. What, 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 what is going to happen to the house? What's going to happen to my wife? Uh, that's what God's for. It's for him to take care of what I leave. Let me say that again. I get more when I die. Not less. Paul said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. You know, then he said this, Philippians 1.23. He said, my desire is to depart and to be with Christ, for that is far better. Now, when I think about what Paul is saying, think about what he's saying now. This man say, for me to live is Christ, but for me to die, it's a benefit. And then he said, my desire is to depart and to be with Christ. In other words, he said, I'm ready to go. Because what? That is far better. Now, how can he see death in a more clear state than what we see it? We see it as an end. We see it as being over. We, we cry like that's it. Paul said, I can't wait. How? Why? My mind went back to, I think it's Acts chapter 9, maybe, maybe a little earlier. But anyway, it was when Paul was on the road to Damascus. He was going to persecute the Christians. And the Bible said a light shone from heaven and knocked him off his beast. And a voice came from heaven and said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? He said, who art thou, Lord? He said, he said I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the goats. My point is, Paul literally met Jesus. Now I can say most of us have done that. Most of us have met Jesus. We've, we've accepted him as our Lord and Savior. But then when you get to 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and 13, Paul starts talking about a revelation that he had where he saw into the third heavens. He saw things that we have never seen. And so when you get a glimpse of heaven, you no longer want to live on the earth. When you get to see what's coming, when you get to see what's ahead, then you no longer want to stay here. Again, back to my story about my wife, January the 5th of this year. I got home. I got home early. She went to the bathroom because she was, her feet was cramping. So she went to the bathroom, and when she came out of the bathroom, she got to the dining room door, and she stopped, and she said, Isaac, Isaac, help me, help me, I can't make it. So by, by, by the time I got to her, she fell in my arms, and I kind of walked her down to the floor. And when I walked her down to the floor, we were dialing 911, we were trying to do, I was, I was trying to call her daughter in the other room, so on and so forth, you know. And her story is fascinating. It tells me something about dying. Now, don't show out when I get it wrong, but I'm trying to get it right, okay? <laughs> anyway, I'm going to try to get it right, okay? She went down, she went out, and she said, she said, I didn't have arms and I didn't have a body, but it was me. She said, I was going into the darkness. I was not afraid. I was at peace. And she said that she heard glimpses. She, she could hear her daughter talking, saying her name. She could hear the paramedic talking from time to time, but most of the time she was out. She did not feel anything. 
until she started to come back. And when she started to come back, she started feeling pain in her. She felt like she said she felt like her legs were short. She didn't realize she was on her knees. And so when I when I stretched and then she said, like the pain went away. And so I stretched her legs out because I knew she was in pain. So I stretched her legs out and then I laid her down and she said the pain went away. That's when the pain went away. But and then I put my face right up on hers and I said, oh, you know what I said. I said, don't leave me. I said, I need you to stay. I said, I need you to stay. And she said, I heard you. And on the inside, I was saying, I'm trying. I'm trying. She couldn't say it out, but she said, I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm trying. In other words, I'm trying to get you to see that when she left, she was leaving me. She was dying. And when she was leaving, she was. The body was no longer a thing. But the soul was fully alert because she heard voices. She heard me. She said, I heard you. I, she said, I felt your head up against mine because I put my head right up on hers. And I said, hey. Hey, hey, uh-uh, uh-uh, no. Uh, I said, you can't leave me. I said, not now, not now, not now, not now. But my point to you is, man, when she was going through that dark, there was no fear and there was no, the pain was gone and the pain only came back when she got back into her body. I'm telling you this because I want you to know that when we transition from this place, it's not going to be like you think. It's going to be, I mean, she, she said, I didn't, get to, I didn't get to where the light is. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Because if she had made it to the light, she wouldn't have came back. And I want you all to think, Sister Judy, where are you? I want you to think, you know. If we could talk to Brother Bobby today, I'm going to tell you something. You know what he would say? I love Judy. I love Abigail, Anna, Leanna, Susanna, Sarah, Mary, David. I love them all, but I don't want to go back. Nobody that's ever transitioned to the other side wants to come back. They don't want to come back. It is far better. It is far better to be with him. So think of all the blessings that's yours in Christ in this life. You've been born again. You've been justified by faith. You've been reconciled to God. You've been adopted into his family. You have the spirit of God living within you. No circumstance can separate you from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus our Lord. And let me say this to you. I like what he said also in Romans chapter 8. He said, neither death nor life can separate me from the love of God. So I want you to think now, when you are getting ready to go, you may separate from the world, but God said there's nothing can separate you from him. Life nor death, nor principality, nor power, nor things present, nor things to come. Nothing can separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. You are blessed with this life, with every spiritual blessing in Christ. And there's no way in the world that unconsciousness can be better than that. There's no way. No way. What is better by far? That your faith will be turned to sight. The Jesus that we heard of, the Jesus that we taught about, that we thought about, that we prayed to, that we've called upon, that we long for, it will be turned to sight, your pain, your grief, your failure, your violence, the persecution, all the stuff that we deal with will be done. I'm getting up a bus to go today. Anybody want to go? <laughs> That's what I'm telling you. That's what I'm telling you. I felt like when I got to the end, I'm going to have a crowd standing up here saying, hey, can you call the chariots down? Can you get the Uber chariots here? We're ready to go. You will sin no more. <laughs> Your spirit will be made perfect, and you will consciously enjoy the presence of Jesus forever, forever, forever. 
To be with Christ is far better than all you have experienced in Christ now. Better than anything that you have ever known, folks. Better than anything that you can ever know. It is better by far than anything that you can think of. It is better. Loved ones who have died in the Lord are actively engaged. They are actively engaged. Everything we have done has been done through the body, and we cannot imagine what life is like trying to operate without a body. When we lay a person to rest, we can't see anything happening beyond that. That's why we think that it is the end. We think that is the end. But I want you to think back again. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, we were created a spirit. Remember this. Remember this. I am a spirit. I have a soul, and I live in a body. I am a spirit, I have a soul, and I live in a body. So what you see is my house. I'm inside of this house. And when this house, when this house gets where I can't live in it anymore, then I have to leave. I have to separate from the house. Let me ask y'all, how many of y'all got a house and if it started raining in it, got cold in it, and rats and roaches and everything was living in it with you? How many of y'all stay? Yeah, what I thought. You'd be ready to go, wouldn't you? Be looking for another house. That's what we do when we get ready to check out of here. We're looking for a house that's not made with hands. So what in the world can they possibly be doing right now? He's given you life in this world through the union of the body and the soul. He has breathed the breath of life into your mortal body. He's breathed into you. Remember, I told you that in Genesis, okay? So, death is the separating of the soul from the body. And that's why death is so fearful. That's why we fear it as an enemy. It is the undoing of the nature. It is the tearing apart of the soul and the body. And see, we don't understand what God is doing. We don't understand what's happening. So, when you understand that it's not a, a strenuous transition, it is an easy transition, it is a blessed transition, it is an opportunity to leave all of this stuff and to be with God. Hebrews 11, 13 and 14 says, But to which of the angels said he at any time, Sit on my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool? Are they not all, and I want you to remember the word, ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation? The angels are ministering spirits. In other words, they are spirits without a body. Okay? So if they are working, look what Jesus said in Luke 24, 39. He said, Behold my hands, my feet, that is, I myself handle me and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bone as you see me have. So he's telling them. He's telling them these things. Okay? So some examples of things that angels can do without spirits or bodies that will point us to the kinds of things that our believing loved ones and we ourselves will be doing when we leave this world. Angels see. They see. And so do believers in heaven. Matthew 18.10 says, For I tell you that in heaven the angels always do what? See the face of my Father who is in heaven. Now, note they don't have eye sockets. They see the face of God. They don't have eyeballs and retinas, but they see the face of God. And it's the same that's true for us. Our faith is going to be turned into sight. We're going to see Jesus. Like I say, we talk about it. We say we want to go, but don't nobody want to go through the process to get there. Angels speak. So do believers in heaven. Luke 2, 13 and 14, it says, Suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Okay, so angels are spirits. They don't have vocal cords. They don't have a vocal box. But guess what? They're able to communicate the praise to God. And the same is true for our loved ones that are gone who believe and for us as well. Angels rejoice, and so do believers in heaven. You know, it's amazing to me that we, they would think that we would be unconscious. We would be unconscious, and, or if, if we went to heaven, we wouldn't be doing anything. Now, I know in church, people can come in church, and other, some folks can be, man, just worshiping God. They can be all in it, and some of us just be sitting looking like, man, what are they doing? Not going to be that way in heaven. 
if you make it to heaven, you're going to know that you made it. You're going to see Jesus, and I'm telling you, you're going to fall on your face when you meet him. We're going to be in constant and continual worship. You might can sit in here and, not, and act like you don't know what I'm talking about, but you're not going to be able to get to heaven and do that. Not going to be able to do it. Okay, so they rejoice. Luke 15, 10. Look at this now. There is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Now, nothing in Scripture says, suggests that believers that are with the Lord are somehow able to watch what's going on on the earth. There's nothing in Scripture that tells us that. But let me say this. But Jesus said there's joy in heaven over, over, over one sinner that repents. One story comes to mind that I'm not saying that they're watching, but I, I can't tell you that they are aware. The Bible says in Luke chapter 15 or 16, I can't remember exactly which one, one is the prodigal son, one is the rich man in Lazarus. The Bible says that the rich man, he fared sumptuously, he dressed in his fine linen and purple every day, and he ate the best of foods, and Lazarus came and ate the food that was thrown out to the dogs, and the dog licked his sores. The Bible says that, that Lazarus died, and the angels took him away, said the rich man died, and he was buried. I want you to notice that in that story, Jesus is telling the story now. So he said, now the rich man said, he looked up and he saw Abraham. Now just imagine, he never met Abraham, but he knew who he was. He said, Father Abraham, send forth Lazarus, dip his finger in water, cool my parched tongue, for I'm in torment in these flames. And he noticed, he recognized Lazarus. So I'm trying to get you to see that even though, and then after he said that, he said, <coughs> Lord, I got five brothers. In other words, he remembered he got five brothers and he remembered they were heathens. He said, can you send somebody back from the dead to tell my brothers so that they won't come to this place? So he was, he might not been able to observe what was going on on the earth, but he was well aware of what he left on the earth. Well aware of it. And the Bible says that 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 the angels rejoice over one sinner that repents. I remember when May 9, 1984, 2.45 a.m. in front of Vermont, America, I gave my life to Jesus, and the guy that led me to Christ, he, see, he, he looked at me. It was a still, quiet night. There was not a cloud in the sky. The stars were bright. And I, 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 he looked at me, and he, he, said, uh, he said, man, he said, angels in heaven are rejoicing. And I did this. I said, okay. <laughs> okay. Okay, okay, <laughs> okay, if you say so. Anyway, if there's joy in heaven, why would believers who have gone, they're not sharing it? Angels worship, and so do believers in heaven. Revelation chapter 5, verse 11 and 12 says, Then I looked and I heard around the throne the voice of many angels numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. They were worshiping God. Weak, listen at this folks, weak is the effort of my heart and cold my warmest thoughts. But when I see thee as thou art, I will praise thee as I ought. What we do now is cold and weak. But when we see him, our praise and our worship is going to be genuine. And we're going to praise him like we should. Angels inquire. So do believers in heaven. Angels, they're highly intelligent. Their minds are constantly engaged into trying to fathom the wonders and the glories of God. And you don't need a body to do that. In Revelation chapter 6, John sees the souls in the presence of Jesus. And they were made visible. And John saw in a vision. Just as the angels were made visible to the shepherds on the night that Jesus was born. Just as he saw, they saw the angels, John saw those spirits. And John sees these souls in heaven. Yeah. A particular group of martyrs and people who had been killed. And who were actively engaged. And they were asking the question. Listen folks. They were asking how long? How long? How long? The angels were speaking. The soul. Listen now. The, the soul goes ahead of the body. And the body waits for the redemption of Christ. The soul lives through the body. 
but the body places limits on the soul. Now, you know, uh, Christian came over to the house and, man, thank you again, sir. But uh, he came over to the house, uh, I don't know what day it was, Thursday? Friday. Okay. He came over to the house Friday. And, and you know, he, he you know, every, everything I got ready to say, I want to do this right here. He said, no problem, let's do it. You know, and so I would go up in the attic. I was up in the attic wiring the lights and stuff, and he was down at the bottom. He was working on some other stuff that I want to get done. And when I come down, he got everything flipped and moved and tore up and everything. I was like, oh, my God. My spirit was ready, but my body said, oh, I wish he would stop. When I, when I got to the last two lights, I, we stood down there and both of us looked up and I was looking at the hole and I was like, oh my God, I got to go up there again. Man, my knees are sore right now, I'm telling you. For the past two or three days, just getting out of the bed was a challenge. It was a challenge. It was a challenge. And, and what I'm trying to get you to see is this. The spirit indeed is willing. But the flesh said, we need to go to bed. Y'all know what I'm talking about. I know if don't nobody else know, if don't nobody else in this room know, there are two or three people in this room know that, that Marcus and Audrey. They know. Let me tell you. Their mind says, go, 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 go. And they have to go until their body says, no, 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 no. And they still try to go until they just pass out. I remember when he was a baby. We weren't married then, and I would go over to the house, and, and, and she would say, shh, 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 I come in the house. She said, shh, shh, I just got Marcus to sleep. Just got him to sleep. Yeah, and he would go to sleep five minutes. He had a little afro, and he was in the back room, and all of a sudden, after five minutes, I saw this. That little head coming up, and he was ready for another four or five hours. Five minutes of sleep. Five minutes of sleep. Five minutes of sleep. Until his body just said, mm can't do it no more. Can't do it no more. So, the will of a believer's spirit outruns the capacity of his or her flesh, and you will never be all that you long to be on this earth. Never. Never. You can't. Your body's not going to allow it. Always going to be a, li a limit attached to our sanctification in this life. Always going to be a limit. Revelation 7.15 says, Therefore... They are before the throne of God and they serve him what? Day and night in his temple. Man, you know, I don't know how most of us are going to make it in heaven because we can't stay in church. I mean, folks, I mean, we can watch movies for three or four hours. We can watch TV for three or four hours. We can go to a game and scream our lungs out. We can do all. We can travel for 10 hours. But when we get in church, it says something about it's a time limit on it. I don't, I don't understand. I had a guy actually say this to me. He said his preacher, if he go over 20 minutes, he lose him. So he got a 20-minute attention span. And this guy was a police officer. I don't know how he made it. Okay, if they shoot past 20 minutes, then he's going to be like, uh-oh, hold on a minute. Take a break. 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 Everybody break. Ceasefire. 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 Let me get myself together. Then we'll start back again. Yeah, right. It's just something about God. We don't have time. I don't know how we're going to make it in heaven when they are serving him and praising him day and night, night and day. Wow. Anyway, no tiredness, no jadedness, no sluggishness, not even a single hint of sin in sight. None of that will be around. None of that will be around. Your loved one is more alive, more joyful, more energetic, and more active in the presence of Jesus than they could ever be while they were here on this earth. Loved ones who have died in the Lord, they are what? Eagerly waiting. What are they waiting for? What are they waiting for? 
Remember this, y'all. There's a big difference between heaven as it is now and the new heaven and the new earth that's coming. Okay? There's a difference in them now. The heaven now, believers who died in, with, are with Christ, they're fully conscious, actively engaged, but guess what? They don't have a resurrected body. They don't have a resurrected body. So, there is a good, a better, and a best. Y'all seen that in Walmart, have you? Good, better, best. And which one they want you to buy? Best. When the good is just as good as the best. Anyway, this is a pattern to the Christian life. To be in Christ is re good, really good. When life in this world is at its worst, if you are in Christ, you are blessed with all spiritual blessings in Christ. I'm telling you, it is good. It is very good to be in Christ. To be with Christ is better by far than anything that you can know or will know in this world. But even then, those in heaven, the best is yet to come. Listen now, the folks that's in heaven now, the best is still yet to come. Because guess what? Revelation 6, 9 says this. I saw the altar, the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the witness they had borne. They were, they, were they were under the altar. And this is what they were saying. They were experiencing all that we talked about. And yet they were still crying out, how long? Even in heaven, they were expecting something else. The heaven that they're in is going to be different than the new heaven and the new earth that's coming. How long until the evils of this present world and sufferings of God people are going to be brought to an end? How long? That's what they're asking. Until King Jesus returns in glory and we come with him. How long is it going to be before he put his enemies under his feet? How long until the new heaven and the new earth? And the right home of the righteous, that all the people, the righteous come home. And they are told that they have to wait. They have a past which they remember, a present in which they live, and a future which they are approaching and hoping for. Even in heaven, they are anticipating something. One day the father is going to say, Enough is enough. Wrap it up. Go get my children and bring them home. And Christ's going to come in glory. Yeah. The ones that have died are going to come with him. And we will be forever with the Lord. So, how to use these truths. Number one, comfort. Comfort. God is... God's calling to you is to press forward in a life of faith and obedience more than you ever have and be more wholehearted than you ever have in your entire life. And let me say this to you. It, it, it is also a comfort to know no matter what we deal with in this life, you got, you, we have a hope that we are going somewhere better than this. There is new life on the other side of this. No matter how bad the word is, so I can, we can comfort ourselves. We can comfort our family when we lose people that we know have given their lives to Jesus and, and are saved. We can comfort them and tell them, hey, we can truly say they're in a better place. And we can have comfort. The second thing is we can have courage. We can have courage. There's nothing in this world. Hostility is increasing. You know, right now, it, it, it amazes me that Christians are still accepted like they are in the United States, especially for, as far as government. In most countries, Christians are despised. They, they, don't, they don't care anything about the Christian. They don't care anything about what they believe. As a matter of fact, they want to do away with it. And as you can live this life and see, it's happening here. It's happening here. You know, when, when, when Judge George, Roy Moore wanted the Ten Commandments sitting in the, in the, in the, in the foyer of the, uh, of the Capitol, and they didn't even want the Ten Commandments in the Capitol. That's craziness. 
That's crazy. That happened right here in this state. He lost his job because he said the Ten Commandments need to stay there. And I, I said to myself, I said, now, well, if y'all want to move the Ten Commandments out, then y'all need to dismantle this whole thing. Because what you going to try me on? Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not commit adultery. So if you're telling me you don't want this down here, then let everybody go. Without the Ten Commandments, there is no law. There is no law. And so the world is getting hostile. And I don't believe it's going to ever get less than what it is. And we need to take courage and stand with Jesus. It reminds me of a girl, a story of a girl in 1999, I believe it was, a girl in Columbine. And this young girl, she, she had been, I, no doubt she had been telling folks all over the school that she was a believer of Jesus. She trusted Jesus. She loved Jesus. She was sharing her faith. And they told the story, they said, when the guy got ready to kill these students, he took this young girl and he put a gun to her head and said, do you still believe in this Jesus? And she said, yes. And he pulled the trigger and blew her brains out. So my question to you is, do you have that kind of courage? Because they may come. Young folks, we may, I may survive and not have to see that or experience it. But these young folks, these babies, y'all are going to grow up in a world where you may have to deal with that. So you have to make a decision and a choice now. Don't be afraid to die. On the other side, life is better. Stand with Jesus. Don't let somebody convince you that it's not going to work. It's not going to last. It's going to come a time in this world where they're going to they're require you to receive the mark of the beast. Listen to me, young folks. Don't fall for it. Don't fall for it. Don't fall for it. Let me tell you why. Because God, God showed us in Exodus, he showed us where the children of Israel were living in Gosha while the world was living in plagues. They were living in Gosha, not suffering. God showed us how he can take care of his people. He took them in the wilderness where there, was, where there was no water, where there was no food, but yet they never missed a meal. He was showing us that we can live without this world system if we trust him. And let me, let me give you the last point on why you should never take the mark of the beast. This is what they're going to think. They're going to think, okay, if you can't buy or sell in this market, then you're going to not be able to eat. You're not going to be. But see, what they fail to remember is it is God that makes the plant grow. Them high blood pressure pills that they take, it's God that make it work. They're going to shoot themselves with insulin and the sugar still going to be going high. Because they're going to think, okay, we got all the money, we got the system, we got everything, and these folks all they got is that God that they say they have. And they're going to find out that that God that we say we have is what makes what they have work. They're going to put gas in the car and it's just going to turn. Not going to crank. That's how the devil is going to deceive people. I'm telling you, if you live long enough where they tell you if you don't receive a mark, don't take it. And watch and see what God does. Watch and see what he does. If you are believing in Jesus, live with courage this week. Tell him that you love him. Tell him that you want to serve him. And if you have to suffer, consider that a part of sharing what Jesus did and how he suffered and died on this earth. Then, like Jesus, draw strength from the joy that is set before you. Listen, folks. Death is just an avenue, and God said, I'll be with you through the valley and the shadow of death. He said, nothing can separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus, neither death nor life, nor angel, nor principality, nor power. And guess what? He said, on the other side of death, today, you're going to be with me. Today you'll be with me. Today, I'm not going in a state of unconsciousness. I'm not going in a place of sleep. I'm not going in a place where I'm not. I'm, I'm going to be inactive. I am going to be with Jesus. And listen, folks, it's going to be better than you have ever dreamed or imagined. 
eyes have not seen, ear have not heard, the things which God has prepared for them that love him. Can you imagine streets paved with gold, gold so pure that you can see completely through it? Mansions so large. And, and forget all of that. The glory of Jesus. Finally, I don't have to wonder what he looks like. I don't have to try to figure out whether he's black, whether he's white, whether he's Chinese, or what color he is. I'll see him as he is. I won't have to try to make him like me or make you like me. I can actually just be like Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let us pray. Lord, we just bless you. We praise you. We worship you. We honor you. Thank you so much, Lord God for giving us an assurance. And Lord, I pray now for the people that's in this place, those that may hear this message at some point in time, I pray that you would give them a peace. Place in us a hunger and a thirst and a desire to want to be with Jesus. Help us to realize for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Help us to understand that it is far better to be with him than to stay here and be with those that we love. It is far better to be with Jesus. Give us peace. Let us look forward to it with hope, joy, and expectancy. Lord, in, this, in these messages, cause fear to dissipate, faith to arise, confidence to be instilled in, in, in grain in, in us. Give us an assurance that we are secure in you. We bless you for it. We praise you for it. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed what you heard, make sure you subscribe and share with someone you know. And tune in next week for more sermons from Truth and Love Ministries.